Well, pretty much all of you were involved in the last few days uh, of just hosting um, the elders that have come down to, to um, just spend a few days being equipped and trained. And I just wanted to say from, from, all of, uh, from Lisa and I as here, but also from those uh, who are part of the team I've just got and those pastors who came down, they sent so many messages, uh, both in a corporate thing but also individually, of just being amazed at how generous, how welcoming, how fantastic your hospitality was. And so, um, and there's kind of how much they felt, I think one used the words of thoughtful, generous love that um, you guys showed them. So uh, we just want to thank you for, you you know, a number of, uh, like last year and before we preached about the body of many parts and that even the smallest part of the body has a significant role to play. So even if you had the, what in your mind was, well, that's really insignificant, it wasn't. It's significant. And I just want to thank every single one of you for everything that you did. Uh, Just, and see that your passionate love and service and just using whatever God has given you to bless and encourage those people that came is so valuable and I don't know if you realize that how much that impacts them but, and therefore impacts their churches and the towns and the places they go. And they came, you guys loved them, you served them, you made them feel welcome uh, in every single aspect. And they've gone away uh, and most common is spiritually full, physically full, and their hearts are bursting. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are absolutely amazing and wonderful, wonderful. So wonderful. Thank you so much for that. There is, uh, that is kind of, I know it's been a while since we've done that. And so I know some, one or two this morning have said now they're feeling their age. I think, um, so I think you're not alone. But the king in the kingdom, it's for him and for his glory, not ours, for the king and the kingdom. And uh, our very practical way of helping has incredible impact for the nations beyond. So thank you. Then uh, just, be, uh, just before the children go out, uh, we've got Rich and Abby. So I want to in- introduce them because so, for me it's important that the children know who comes and preaches and who these crazy people are <laughs> because they're the generation that comes through. And I know most of them have met them anyway, but um, Rich and Abby, won't you just stand so all of them will know? These are the guys, the Rich and Abby, they're part of the translocal ministry team uh, that we partner with. And so they're going to be speaking here today, kids. So you can go out, the children who are in the kingdom, you can go through. Off you go. Um, but before um, Rich comes up to preach, uh, Abby's just got something she wants to share. And then um, they both, uh, I'll and let you share that. Actually, no, let me tell you. So they, they uh, planted a church in 96, 97. 97, they planted a church in a village in South Africa called Hilton. It is still a village, eh? Um, uh, it's a village. It's the village that um, Lisa and I grew up and actually met, first met in. So in way back in the 1900s, in <laughs> the, 19, the 1980s, uh, and, and it was the village then, and I don't even think it had a traffic light then, but I think it's grown a bit since then. So, so they planted a church there, and you handed the church over when? 2019, they handed a church over to a couple who, in, and they're still in the church, still on leadership in the church as elders. Uh, but they come this morning as um, friends, but also partners on the translocal ministry team that we are part of. And so uh, I just encourage you to open your hearts to them. They've ministered here a few times before. Uh, and so I'm just going to hand over to Abby, who's going to share what she feels. And then if you just hand straight over to Rich, then up to you. Morning, everybody. It's so good to be here again, and it's so good to see so many happy faces and friendly faces. Um, <laughs> just, I'm just teasing you. <laughs> it's just when we walked in here the other night and just saw everybody in the, in the kitchen, and just it was just wonderful. Thank you for that lovely worship this morning. It was really special. Um, I had this, this um, picture in my mind this morning when I was in the prayer meeting, and it was of this house. It's quite an old house. And there was a, a, 
old man in the, in the corner at the back um, with pottery. He was busy making pottery. You know, he had his wheel going. And as I kind of zoomed in on him, I could see that he had a lot of pottery in the background that he had made. And, um, but he was, he was quite happy. He was, he was smiling and he was happy with what he was doing. And I just feel that God has blessed this church, this congregation, with skilled people. There's a lot of skilled people in this church, in this congregation. And um, I feel there's, there's God wants, has, got a, has anointed people with gifts. And, um, and he wants you to use your gifts and your skills um, for his glory, for his kingdom. And before you say, oh, but, you know, I just, I just make pottery, or I just crochet, or I just um, make little wooden things, or whatever the skill may be. Um, I was reminded of Exodus 35 from verse 30. Now, there's some big names, which I might just skip a little bit. Um, it says, Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with um, the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and that man, son of so-and-so, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. So Bezalel, that other man, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary or to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. So this um, passage is very encouraging because it mentions a variety of skills. And I think it's almost like one person who's got all these skills, who can do all these things. And I just want to encourage you that don't, don't think that you've got nothing to bring. Don't think that you don't have any gift or you don't have any skill to bring um, and to add to the value of, of um, the church because you have. And God anointed those people to be able to do all sorts of things. And it's a variety of skills. When you read that list, there's a variety of things that these people did. And so I just want to encourage you that as your skill and your gift, bring that because God has anointed you to be able to do what he has called you to do and to use the skill that he has given you. Um, so, yeah, that's what I just had for this, the, the church. Um, James then asked me to introduce Rich to you. I've been married to Rich for 36 years. Um, we've been in ministry for 36 years. Um, <laughs> we're still in ministry. We're still, we've got two sons. Um, I've got, we've got one daughter-in-law and about to have another daughter-in-law. Um, and yeah, we've been doing this together for many, many years and we absolutely love what we do. Um, so Richie, over to you.
some of you are going like, that's a pop song. I didn't know they were Christians. <laughs> Always says you're pretty safe in church if you play songs like that because you get the ones that think it's cool. <laughs> and then the others go like, yeah, I didn't know that was a Christian song. Well, it's not. <laughs> it's just a cool song. It was written and released by a very British band called Coldplay in 2014. And um, if you could just keep that little melody playing in the background, just (laughs) not you, you, (laughs) in the back of your head, just having it there. You know when you have one earphone in and the other one out and you're doing your, just have it there going, all right. A sky full of stars. Just keep that thought hanging in the back of your mind. You know, I have loved the church my whole life. I was saved um, at around the age of five or six. And, um, and I have, there are some Sunday school teachers, because it was called Sunday school and before it was kids ministry. Um, some Sunday school teachers in those days who... Some of them argue about who, when it happened. I don't really know. I know that I was baptized at the age of nine, and I know that I felt a real call to ministry at the age of nine years old. So don't underestimate what happens back there. Don't underestimate what the Holy Spirit can do to our children. Because he can call us. He can call them. And so I remember that, and I've been in love with the church. I love the idea of church, the concept of church. I love corporate worship. I love, I love just being together. I love smelling the mixture of mothballs and tobacco, and you know where that well, mint and tobacco. Because I remember as a kid going into to church, and the hymn books got given out, and I could, the guy was stuffed into his suit that he never wore. Because he was on duty that Sunday and he had a tie on and there was this smell, this mix of mothballs, mint and tobacco. Just remember it. I'll close my eyes and go back to that. And uh, that wasn't so attractive, but it was just, just the concept of church and that there was a group of people, that there was community. I think that's the, the main thing. It was this community of, of, of called out ones, of the saved. Some of them were like hanging on to their salvation. Others were like flat out going. And, and, and all of the ones in between was a beautiful thing. And Jesus said, actually, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said that in Matthew 16. Jesus said those words. But I've also been in church long enough to know that it's not always been like that. And there are times when church is not a happy place. There's been times when you may have been hurt in church. I've been hurt in church before. And on behalf of every pastor you may have come into contact with, may I offer my deepest apologies if you have been hurt, because it's just the natural part of being together. It's, we're all fragile, frail, fallen human beings. Uh, we've been saved and we've been, we've been drawn together by his love, and, and, but sometimes we mess it up. Jesus is the ultimate leader, and he's the head of his church but he's entrusted the leadership of that to men and women who are by nature imperfect. And so we have this thing, and, and I think it's there because God wants us to grow and to get over some of those things. And we can't be victims our whole lives. And we cannot allow past hurts to determine our future. We have to let some things go. And in order to embrace the future that God has for us, we've got to let some of the past go. Can't hold on to both because you'll stretch and you've got to let go the past to take hold of the future. So 
Sometimes it has looked like the gates of hell have prevailed against the church. <laughs> but he's promised that ultimately it never will. So, we're going to talk a little bit. You've got Sky Full of Stars still playing in the background there in your head. All right, you got it. As long as we got that there. Jesus is in charge. He's sovereign and he will have his way with his church. He will get her to where he wants her to be. And we just got to go along with the ride. We've got to yield. We've got to. This was beautiful worship this morning to surrender. That's what he wants. He wants available vessels to fill. I promise I, I, I am South African. I, 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 I can do nothing about that. Um, <laughs> so, and, um, and, I, and I promise that I won't get South African on you if you promise you won't get British on me. Um, so when I get passionate about something and I raise my voice, I'm not, I'm not forcing you to do anything. I'm not, like, I, I don't, please don't feel bullied um, because that's not my heart. I, um, I get passionate about the Lord, but, I, but, but I'm not going to get South African on you. I won't tell you what to do. I'll just tell you what the Bible says. Again, you can make up your own mind. All right, there's a, there's a, a guy who blogs and does research. His name is John Tyson, not any relative um, to the boxer. Uh, and he talks about five things that need to shift in... Um, in fact, what they did was they went and they, they studied, did a, a study of, of indigenous cultures around the world who still practice rites of passage for, for the young men to become men or young boys to become men. And they, they, they kind of distilled all of the information that they got on their study. And, and they came to uh, the five things that these rites of passage do. Most of us in, in, in modern culture, in Western culture anyway, we've, we've kind of lost or let go of some of the thing, rites of passage. You know, we now have a 21st birthday party when they give you the key. <laughs> you know, like your uncle who was good with metalwork made a key, and, and you're, you get a key, and you go like, oh, whoop-de-doo, what do I do with this? Um, well, it, it'll end up in a box somewhere. And that's like our rite of passage, isn't it? I don't know what you guys do in the UK, but we have a 21st, and your dad gives you the key. Some people get a car. Uh, some rich kids, spoiled brats, um, <laughs> get given a car, a brand new car. Here are the keys, and she can't even drive. You know, and you're like, what is that about? I could use that. But they distilled all of this down to five things, five things that, five shifts that take place from immaturity to maturity. Can I give them to you quick? You're not going to enjoy them. I promise you. <laughs> But, but let's do it anyway. Um, five, five shifts that need to take place. First one is that life is hard. <laughs> Told you you're not going to enjoy this. Life is hard. So it's a shift from ease to difficulty. All those little kiddies that ran out there just now, earlier, they think life is easy. Because what? Dad just does everything. They leave their mess and it gets cleaned up. They don't wash their dishes. They don't do anything. They just think it's easy. And they, they don't have to worry about deadlines. They get told when to brush their teeth, when to go to bed, when to wake up. They get told what to wear. They get taken to school. They get fetched. It's easy. Life is easy for them. So the first shift is that life is hard. It's a shift from ease to difficulty. Boys do easy things. Men embrace difficult things. I'm not, I'm not being gender specific here. I'm just talking um, maturity. You know what I'm saying? Because it was in indigenous cultures, it's mainly focused on boys becoming men. But I'm not making any statement in that regard. So boys do easy things. Men embrace difficult things. The problem is, is that when we are adult and we shy away from difficult things, that's a sign of immaturity. Second one is that you are not important. <laughs> Told you you're not going to like this. <laughs> you are not important. It's a shift from self to others. 
children are the center of their conscious universe. Unless they want something from you, in which case you are, but just temporarily. (laughs) Then they become the center again. And so it's a shift from self to others. Boys care about themselves, men care about others. The third one, your life is not about you. (laughs) I warned you. Your life is not about you. It's a shift from the whole to being a part. (laughs) We think it's all about us. But it's not. So, boys think they are the whole story. Men understand that they are only part of it. Okay, the fourth one, you are not in control. You are not in control. It's a shift from control to surrender. It's an important step that needs to take place. And I'm not talking about a surrender and just flop down and let whatever happen, happen. Uh, it's, it's actually that because we can go off our tree trying to control everything. In actual fact, we've got to learn to just let go. So this is a shift from control to surrender. Life is a challenge and things are going to happen that are out of our control. Because believe it or not, we are not God. We are not God. And there are things that happen in life that we are not in control of. And I've tried my hardest to explain that to my sons. And uh, sometimes they have difficulty understanding that. Don't fret what you, about what you cannot control. What's the point? There's nothing you can do about it. Boys try to control everything. Men recognize their limits. And then lastly, you are going to die. (laughs) I told you you wouldn't like it. (laughs) You are going to die. You know, how old are we? 59 this year. 59. I I can't imagine what 60 is going to be like. I can't imagine being 60. It's been so far away. And now I'm knocking on the door, and I, and I can't even imagine what being 60 would I feel like. It's like, but it's not. Um, you see. No, I can't. I, you can't even remember 60. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I, I talked to my, to my broker guy who does all the sort of whatever pension kind of making sure you got enough. So like, like pensions, like a race between insolvency and the grave. You know, you gotta, you gotta like make sure you got enough before you die. Uh, and I, 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 I can't imagine being eighty. Says, so, oh, you'll have enough to be, you know, eighty-five or whatever. I, I don't know what that means. I don't even. I can't even. Because we think we live in the now. We think it's this is we're gonna have this forever. No, you will die. You will die one day. It's a shift from the temporary to the eternal. It has to happen, friends. Boys think their time is unlimited. Men understand that life is short. And so there's an urgency to get what needs to be done, done. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. James, I forgot to press my timer. So I've got this thing that looks all good. But um, can you just kick me or tell Abby to kick me if you're uncomfortable with that when it's done. <laughs> okay. First Corinthians chapter 13. When I was a child, Paul says, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, and when I became a man, I put away childhood things or childish things or the ways of childhood, another version says. I think in a church, we have a, sometimes, not this church, others that I've been to. <laughs> we have a maturity problem. 
because we are focused on undoing some of these five things in people's thinking and 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 we're losing sight of the mission that we're here for and we've become focused on the wrong things leaders have made it all about themselves and members of the congregation have made it all about themselves and we've lost sight of the mission jesus he's parting shot he's been with his disciples for 3 years they've lived with him they've seen uh him minister they've seen the miracles they've been sent out they've come back they've regrouped they've done all of this now in in matthew chapter 28 verse 18 to 20 you know the passage well weirdly in verse 17 it says they worshiped him but some doubted <laughs> and so it wasn't just thomas otherwise it was it they would have said one doubted so it wasn't just thomas some doubted so some of them doubted that he was the messiah and now he's handing over this ministry <laughs> to them the salvation of mankind he's giving into their hands before he goes to heaven and and some of them are doubting that he's even the messiah and so he says they go and make disciples of all nations that's the he says if you get nothing else from these three years that we've been together if you have if you've forgotten everything i said then you get nothing else get this go and make disciples of all nations and that's the mission of the church that's what god jesus has given us as the church to accomplish is to go and make disciples i was listening to pauline our dear pauline in the back row talking this week at at home group <laughs> she just she talks to anybody she gets on the taxi and if the guys are muslim she goes yeah i'm going to give it to him and then she does she gets on the bus she talks to anybody she is doing this You got that shine like stars? Cuz you're a star still playing in the background, right? Okay, don't let it go on to mute. <laughs> so mission, it's why we breathe oxygen, it's why we still alive, it's why that if you give your life to Jesus that you don't go straight to heaven. Cuz that would if it was all about going to heaven then that's where we should be when we get saved, wouldn't it? I mean, it, that makes sense to me. Why put us through all of this if we go to heaven and that's the main deal why do we why we got to go through all of what we have to go through if it was about just being in heaven no there's a job to be done here on earth there's a role for us to play there's there's a purpose that we exist as the church in a community such as this in a town such as this right across the face of the planet there's groups of believers gathering together this morning as of really happened because we're a little bit earlier so that's our mission you each of us individually every single person has a sphere of influence around their lives all of us have a unique combination of relationships that only we have as unique as your fingerprint and because we saw it on mission impossible your your retina that's how we know it's <laughs> yeah you stand there looking at that thing and then the door opens so we all have in we have a uniqueness about us and we all have a unique combination of relationships around us that god has given us to work this through that's our sphere your job as as much as you may like it or hate it is simply the context for where this takes place this making disciples of all nations. And so sometimes we got to speak, sometimes we got to act, sometimes we if we speak we're in trouble so we just got to but there's a lot of things that we can do to get this happening. So the church that Jesus is building is a church that's on the move. It's a church that is reaching out, it's doing what he said he we should do. We are using our influence in our sphere of influence to for the kingdom. mature believers doing the work. And so maturity is actually mission critical because if we are on about ourselves and just looking after ourselves then we're not focused on the mission. 
And so mature believers, so we know this, that, that the immature just worry about themselves. Mature are looking out for others. Jeremiah 29, 11, um, we quote this, misquote this often when, we, when we're a little bit upset or when we're feeling a bit down. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And we, put, uh, we have that scripture and this other one, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. We have these things on countless coffee mugs and key rings. To make us feel better. But actually, the context of both of those passages of Scripture is actually the mission. The first one was on, in, in uh, captivity in Babylon. Remember Boney M sang a song? I, I didn't have the courage to play that song this morning. But by the rivers of Babylon, by the, where we sat down. Now, they asked the question, it's in the Psalms. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Because they were taunting them. They were saying, come on, sing us the songs that you sing in, in Jerusalem and Israel. and sing, sing your songs. And they're going, well, how can we do this in this strange land? Because we didn't have the temple. We're in captivity. Friends, that's us. We're in a strange land. But he's saying, sing your song in a strange land. Open your mouth and live. Prosper. God has a plan for you in this space to prosper you so that you can influence and bring about change. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul talking about the suffering and all the hardships that he had to go through in fulfilling the ministry on his life. Not just cushy. Not just, oh, I'm having a rough day. So I'll just, oh, I can do all things through Christ. I can now I can make supper now. Okay. <laughs> it's not that, friends. It's, it's bigger than that. It's, it's mission critical. So... Maturity is something that we want to see in others, but we generally excuse it in ourselves. Because <laughs> we, we as human beings, all of us do, don't just look at the person next to you, your husband or your wife, because I have a song that I play every time I'm in trouble, and it is, before you accuse me, take a look at yourself. <laughs> By one Eric Clapton, another great British guitarist. <laughs> and I, and I, I play that song when I'm in trouble. <laughs> so we, we judge ourselves by our intentions and we end up judging others by their actions. We do it all the time. In South Africa, not so much here. Here you will get caught. In South Africa, you probably won't. Running red traffic lights. People do it all the time. It's just like, oh, this is what we do. Everybody understands. No. I think it's wrong until I'm in a hurry. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, you know. But I don't do it a lot. I just want to set you guys free that you can. (laughs) I don't do it a lot. It sometimes happens. Um, Yeah, and they even give us the space, like, to not do it. Because it goes, there's a pause but before it turns. And, but anyway. So, God's goal for your life is maturity, friends. It's, and it's got nothing to do with your chronological age. Maturity is something spiritual. And it, you grow up on the inside. And he takes all this, the hurtful and bad and sad experiences you've had in your life. And he works that in. So that we can grow up and be mature. Paul says to the, for the Galatians, Oh, that Christ be fully formed in you. That maturity. Maturity is God's plan for your life. And maturity is what Christ strengthens us for. So, I think it's mission critical. And we can't take people further than we are ourselves. If we're going to make disciples, if we're going to be disciple makers, then we've got to be growing in our own walk with the Lord and maturing and being useful in his hands. Still got a sky full of stars going there. It's all going to make sense, I promise you, before the end of this morning. Let's give maturity a definition, shall we? If you want to write a definition down, you can do this. Don't put my name next to it um, because I don't kind of, it's a little bit tacky. Um, It's in the Bible. (laughs) You can read it. Um, So I think maturity is this. It is the un, 
supervised ability to contribute more than you consume. For those who are listening and not writing, I'll give you another shot at it. It is the unsupervised ability to contribute more than you consume. And that cuts across every aspect of our lives. It's not about you. <laughs> it's about others. So the immature, it's all about them. You look, look at little babies. Some of those ones next door. A little baby will eat, 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 eat. Even some 16-year-olds just eat. <laughs> don't pick up their clothes. They don't wash. They, don't, they just eat. We had a, a son, uh, we have a son who at 16 uh, or 15, he just went through one of those growth spurts where he hardly came out of his room. He was tired all the time and he just ate. He'd walk in there, clean out the fridge, go back to bed and then come out again, school holidays, you know. Just, I mean, it was like your grocery bill went through the roof and heaven forbid he brings some friends home because they're just they're all in the same zone and they just eat. And so that whole thing of the immature just consuming all the time. And so you look at it in nature. It happens in nature. We have metamorphosis, don't we? Um, it's a long word, but it, it's the moth, the, the, the little uh, worm. Do you have silkworm crazes here? We used to have it. You don't. Okay. We, oh, we have it at, at school. Uh, the kiddies all come. It's, it's, every family goes through the phase of a silkworm phase where the Kids come home with some silkworm, and now you're going to go and get mulberry leaves from everywhere that you don't have a tree in your garden, so the things are going to starve, and you've got to go and find them. And anyway, they, a worm in a worm phase, in a caterpillar phase, it just eats. That's all it does is eat. Just eats. And then it spins a little cocoon, and it goes to sleep for a little while, and then a moth pops out. And you get a and now that moth doesn't eat anything. It's got one job. <laughs> it's to have babies, to lay eggs, to mate and lay eggs. That's it. Go out in a blaze of glory. That's it. <laughs> then it lays eggs and it dies. It doesn't have a life. It just mates and lays eggs. Some of you guys are going like, mm, what a life. But it's. It's the mature part of that cycle that it, all it is is giving to the next generation. It's producing, reproducing. But the, the mature, the immature just eats all the time. Same with our babies. They just eat. And we have to clean up everything after them. We've got to teach them. Ephesians chapter 4. Um, I'm going to bring this to an end. Verse 11 to 16. It's a beautiful passage and it talks about this um, fivefold ministry or the, the uh, translocal team. We, we call it in our, in our um, circles. Christ gave himself, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. He gave, he gave himself, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. So that fivefold gifting is there to equip God's people for works of service. So to bring maturity. So that the body of Christ may be built up, may be strengthened, may become what it's meant to be. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Some versions say perfect. But the, the meaning, the, the implication is to become mature, lacking nothing. You become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So unity in the faith and maturity go hand in hand. It's the immature that bicker and squabble. The mature are the ones that embrace each other even though we may not agree on everything. But we still can work together. 
Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Verse 15, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Two groups of people there. You've got the infants and you've got the adults, the mature. Infants, the immature, are tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind and teaching. Infants consume because they think it's all about them. Can I say the worst thing you can do for your pastor... He didn't tell me to say this. I'm just saying this because I've been there. Is to go, oh, you should have seen. Some, I, I, I want to WhatsApp you this link to an amazing preacher on, on YouTube. And he just goes, oh, yeah, I did it. It's fine. Um, but inside. And then he watches it, and it's exactly what he's been preaching for the last six months that you haven't heard. Now you heard it from some other guy on YouTube. And he's amazing, and that's chopping him at, his, at the knees. I, I know the pain, because you sit here preparing week after week to try and bring some food, and, and the, the immature, they don't read the room, and they, they're going off, and, oh, this is amazing, can you hear that? Oh. And you go, yeah, that's amazing. The adults are the mature They speak the truth in love. They grow and build others up. They fulfill their calling. They do the work. That's what the mature do. We fulfill our calling. Adults contribute because they know that it's not all about them. You know, when a child behaves like a child, it's fine. We get that, right? We're happy that a child will cry, squawk. It will do what children do age appropriately but when an adult behaves like a child then we know we've got a problem and something needs to be done about it we do in life we we know this and so we as the body of Christ need to be growing all of us together every single one of us it's not just for those that have certain jobs. It's for all of us to be growing to maturity. And that's a journey that we take with the Holy Spirit. It's not one that, that just happens to you. You position yourself in that place of grace and you press into God and allow Him to have reign in your life. It's the unsupervised ability to contribute more than you consume. That's what maturity is. And so we need, and I'm not telling you to do this, I'm just saying, I'm encouraging us to press into growing and maturing. And even you can ask your leaders for help, ways of growing, ways of of pressing into God. And our lives then take on a different meaning. Tell you, your, your Christian walk will be so exciting when you start witnessing to others. It changes the game. It changes everything. Last scripture, and then I'm done. Sec, uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2, because we still got the sky full of stars. Eh? It wasn't a waste of time, I promise you. It's still there. Back of your mind, the sky full of stars. Therefore, my dear friends, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. And to 16. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. See, it's unsupervised. Paul's not there, but you're still doing it. That's unsupervised. You're still growing. You still, even if I'm not there, you are still obeying. You are still growing. You're still pressing in. Not in my not only in my presence, but more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not work out work to get saved. 
It's working out the implications of your salvation in your growth and your maturity. So there's a journey that all of us are on. And it's a journey to maturity. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I think that is an incredible uh, process that takes place. That we, when we come to Christ and we surrender our lives and we start this journey of sanctification, of being made holy, that it's God who wills in us. He works in us to will, to want to, and to do the right thing. He changes us on the inside. He transforms us so that we actually don't want to do what is immature, but we want to do the right thing. He does that in us. And it's a beautiful thing. Then he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. How many of you know we live in a warped and crooked generation? You've got to look around. We, it's, it's tricky out there. We live in a warped and crooked generation. Then he says, you will then shine among them like stars in the sky. Let that music play again. No, 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 no. I'm just joking. <laughs> you shine like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not labor in vain. Why are stars so important? What was the thing about stars? Well, ancient mariners used to navigate by stars. They followed stars at night. They sailed at night and they navigated by the stars. You're a sky full of stars. And the lost are begging you to shine brightly so they can find their way home. This is about stepping up to the plate. It's about doing it, living it out daily. It's about upping our games. It's about willingly giving ourselves to the work of the Lord in our context, in our space. What if we could live our Christian lives and our Christian walk in obedience to Jesus without supervision as mature, dedicated believers? Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't, can you imagine how things would change and how and I'm talking to me here too I'm not I'm not talking down at all all of us imagine how how different our world would be what if our attitudes could be consistently good i mean our wives would be happy and our husbands would be a lot happier and our partnership sweet with no grumbling and arguing we could get on with the job what if our service and the service of the lord uh and ministry could be joyful and fruitful. What if there was someone navigating their way back to Christ and they were looking at you, observing your life, your speech, how you conduct yourself? Would they find their way? What if they worked with you or worked for you? What if they lived with you and sat around your dinner table? Would they find their way? What if they imitated you? What if they wanted to be just like you? Would they find their way back home? Would they? Let's close our eyes, shall we? I'd like to, to pray, if that's okay. Um, and, you know, this is, this is, a, this is a moment where, where we get to respond in our hearts to what he's saying. And, and there's, no, there's no pressure, and I, I hate pressure. I'm not putting pressure. I'm not trying to manipulate him really feel that the Lord is calling us to up our, our game in our walk with him.
and we live in, in, in very difficult times globally. It's not just here in the UK and it's not just in Africa, it's, it's everywhere. And it's going to take a breed of people who are sold out completely to Jesus. And so right where you are, you wouldn't just surrender again. We sang a beautiful time of worship where there was just this moment of surrendering to him. I just say, Lord, I relinquish the ownership and control of my life. I relinquish it to you willingly. I give it to you, Lord. Why don't you come and use me? Use these hands. Use this mouth. Use these feet. Use my resources, Lord, to bring about your plans and purposes for this community. And so, Lord, we we want to surrender. We want to bring everything to you unreservedly, Lord. I want to say, take us on a journey. Take me on a journey, Lord. Grow me up, I pray. Let me be a shining star in my context. Lord, won't you come bless every family, every household, every home represented here. And Lord, we thank you that we would be your people in the space that you've given us to occupy. Do it in us, we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, James. Wonderful. Thank you, Rich. <clears throat> Challenging, encouraging, stretching, but uh, really good. Thanks for coming. There's tea and coffee and a load of cake left over. Next door, please do go through and eat it.